to another episode of We Did That Shit Podcast, where we talk about who did some shit, how we got through some shit, and what we learned from shit. I'm Maya. And I'm the B. Podcast family, you are the shit. And we appreciate your support. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you enjoy our company, Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Anchor, iTunes, CastBox, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube at We Did That Shit. Hey, girl. Hey. I said hi to you first. You did. And you said it like a hey, girl. I know. Well, you know what? Yeah, I mentioned it so much. I, I said, let me let me do my my duty this week. And it's Valentine's Day. Well, it was Valentine's Day, so since you my Valentine's, it's like, oh, hey, girl, it's me and you. <laughs> we definitely all we got, ain't that some shit? I'm trying to tell you. So, how was your week, girl? How about if we start with your Black History highlight, and then we can get into our weeks after that? Oh, okay. That's how your week was. Mm. Well, let's move on to the Black History highlight for this week. You know it's still Black History Month, and we are celebrating our people. Again, it's one of my favorite times of the year. So this week, I am highlighting Jill Brown Hiltz. Jill Brown Hiltz made history 40 years ago by becoming the first black woman pilot for a major commercial airline company. She is also the first black woman admitted to the U.S. Navy's pilot training program. Born Jill Elaine Brown in 1950, the Baltimore natives family were all big fans of aviation. By the time she was 17, the family purchased a small airplane. Uh-huh. Sparking a lifelong love of flying. Brown Hilt's stint in the Navy only lasted six months after she was honorably discharged, but finding her way to the skies was exclusive until her big break. The first black owned and operated airline company, Wheeler Airlines, hired Brown Hilt's as a ticket clerk, but she eventually worked her way up to becoming a pilot. She earned a number of flight hours, becoming a pilot for a major airline. And in 1978, she flew for Texas International Airlines. Brown Hiltz reportedly said that Texas International was using her for publicity. And she eventually Mm -hmm. took her talents to Zantop International Airlines. Mm -hmm. In 1990, she unsuccessfully sued United Airlines for racial and gender discrimination losing an appeal in the matter in 1997. After flying, Brown Hiltz reportedly worked for an advocate for other black aviators. And that is Jill Brown Hiltz. Go ahead, Jill. 
you know, we do have to, I say it all the time, but we have to pay homage to the people who paved the way for us. You know, they've really been through a lot for us to live the freedoms that we live today. For Mm. sure. And just thinking about her when I was reading up on her and just gathering some information so it could bring us the highlight that her family boarded a plane when she was that's what I said. I was like, oh, y'all, you know what? We like we like aviation. Let's go buy a plane. (laughs) Exactly. And the whole family was into it. And just to think that they were able to take her dreams when she was a child and make them into a reality of her being the first black woman to fly a commercial airline and for her being accepted as one of the first black women in the Naval um, training program for pilots. That was just excellent. That was cool. How was your week? My week, I feel like Tamala man. Truth is I'm tired. (laughs) I mean, I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. Mm. My weekend really is what made me exhausted. This is how you know you ain't a young spring chicken. <laughs> I used to go party it up. Do you hear me? Three hours of the morning, next yes. day, put all over again, next yes. day, do it all over again. My ass was out till five o'clock in the morning on Friday. Mm. Got right up and went to New Jersey at 11. Was up till 3.30 that night, Saturday night. Then was right back up Sunday running around. Mm. And then drove back here. When I tell you my week was exhausting, mm. it was exhausting. So I really didn't do much but try my best to catch up on sleep. Um, try to read this book that we're reading for book club. What are you reading? Um, An American Marriage. I cannot call the author's name right off the top of my head, but I'll give okay. it to you. It's really good. It was, uh, you know, one of Oprah's book club picks the story about a a black woman and a black man and, and what they go with, they're going through in their marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some circumstances that happened in their marriage that took them away from each other. Mm-hmm. And, and in that time that they were away from each other, you know, kind of like the woman started another life. Mm. Now the man is back mm. and, and he like, Hey baby, I'm home. And she like, mm, mm, uh. <laughs> so it's, Definitely a good read. So I'll get the author's name for you because it's it's something that I would rec- highly recommend. And when's the book the club start? meeting? The first Friday in March. Mm. Oh, I might be available. Oh, well, let me know. It's at my house. Oh, well, I'll definitely be available. Okay. All I'm right. going to check my calendar as soon as we finish because, you know, I'm, t- I'm just saying, and everybody knows it. People be like, uh, but why didn't you come? They were like, oh, you didn't invite me. Uh, I invite myself. Clearly. And I do it all the time. Don't I? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, y'all having it? When y'all having it? Uh, yeah, oh, I might be available. Yeah, I see you. See yeah. you there. Right. And I and I come if I want, you know, if I could come, I come. People be like, oh, I'm going here. I'm like, oh, you know, I was thinking about that. When you going? I invite myself all the time. So when people say stuff like, oh, you ain't invite me. I'm like, invite you? Like, how am yeah, I invite I, you to Vegas? I, Vegas exactly. is open to everybody. Like, right. <laughs> That's how I feel, too. I'm going. <laughs> That's how I feel, too. If I want to go, I'm going. But, yeah, my week was pretty uneventful um, other than being tired. So I plan on just getting a lot of rest once this week is over. How about you? How was your week? Because that seems like more important from, you know, <laughs> how was your week? No, let's do the Black History Highlight. Get the positivity out first. So right. how was your week? And I'm just going to start by saying this. I am who I am. I want what I want, and I'm going to be who I want to be. 
And I will not live my life angry. I just refuse. I'm not going to live my life angry. You shouldn't. Remember TD Bank? Yes. To the 25th power. Oh, where did this happen? I almost lost my job. This happened at work? Yeah. Why? Somebody hit you? No. They threatened you? No. Oh, what happened? They got on my fucking nerves. You know how sometimes things just like linger and linger and linger and linger and you try to act like it is doesn't exist and you know you just keep going and going and going and then something happens and sometimes it could be minor mm-hmm. and I couldn't even call you because you would have just made it worse because no, you thanks. was already you was already saying the stuff that I yeah I had to call my dad and get some prayer because so the first day it was like so bad I had a very but it was okay because I was in another office you know what I mean I was able to vent and I'm telling you when I vented it was like remember when Kevin Hart was like my mom told me me. to Uh tell you like and I mean I was just going like you fucked your way to the middle bitch Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I was just going ham, right? Mm-hmm. But it was okay. And then the next day, I was like, but that, I was so angry that I came home and I was just like, you know, calm down. You got to pray. You got to get yourself together. You're not going into work. Don't wear scrubs. Get dressed. You know, put a little makeup on, whatever. Because when you look better, you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I did all of that in preparation for the next day. Walk in. And like there it was again. Okay. You know what I mean? And I I really did keep it under control, but it bothered me the whole day. Now I left that day. I, I left. I was like, you want to stop talking to me crazy? And then we had a meeting. Then the next day we had a meeting. And hopefully from the meeting, I expressed myself exactly the way I felt. I could not be as controlled as I wanted to be because I felt like all the other times we talked about this nonsense, you know, and I was diplomatic and I was in control and I was professional. And then you want to keep doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I really need you to see the urgency of now because like, oh my gosh, I do not condone violence, but I'm seven seconds from slitting your throat mm. and be like, pass the punch. Mm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just want to say this. white people will play the victim all the time oh my goodness and i just sat there and i think that's what made me more angry than anything you're acting like oh my gosh i you see you see i can't function i'm so scared oh my god now i'm the nicest person in the world like you know what i mean right and you and the kid about the nicest people I know in life. Okay. Like the mailman comes in. Hey, baby. Like anybody. I'm nice to everybody. And then you acting like somebody the is black woman. Exactly. Well, yeah. do you want to hear I told you so now or later? Right. <laughs> and that's why I was like, I wanted to call you so bad. I was like, I can't call by her. I can't call by her because I got to calm down. And she going to be like, and I'm and you, and I'm just saying all the things, don't even worry about it. Because all the things that I know you would say, I, I was saying 
all of that stuff. Every bit of it. But this is the reason why I really feel like, especially in work environments, I feel like this in my regular life, but I really truly feel like this in work environments. You have to nip stuff in the bud very early on. You You cannot let things linger. I don't like things lingering Mm -hmm. in my life. So like if I'm going through something with my friend, I'm going through something with my man, I'm Mm -hmm. going through something with my mom, whatever the case is, I like to say it like, yo, this is how this made me feel. I ain't like this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. because if you don't, then it festers up in you. And then when you go off, a person is looking at you like, you right. was that mad? Yes, I was that mad. Exactly. But when it comes down to work environments, you have to nip it in the bud. They don't understand. I guess they don't understand respect. They I don't do know not. what it is about work mm-hmm. that and respect goes out mm-hmm. the window. It's like when you walk into the building, they, the respect walks out. Now that is a teachable moment. Those are teachable moments where I have to teach you how to be with me. I have Mm -hmm. to teach you how to handle me. Mm -hmm. And so when something happens and then you say it right from the door, like, look, this is not acceptable to me. It's not acceptable, period, but it's surely not acceptable to me. So when people think that I'm mean at work or no, I'm not mean, I'm not social, but I'm also very matter of fact. You have to be matter of fact. Right. If, and, and, and a person like you who just be like, ah, mm, ah, for like a certain amount of time, then you like the ticking time bomb. When mm-hmm. you didn't have to be the ticking time bomb, even though a person is still going to play the victim, you didn't have to be the ticking time bomb because I told you when it happened. Oh, no. Say something to that bitch. But you well, did. first of all, no, 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 that's not true. I said something. And I continuously say something. So then when it happened, I have to, because I feel like. Well, what happened? My, the boss good. really, our boss really doesn't have a lot of control. Right. You know, don't have a lot of options. However, I'm always the one saying to him, we're going to have a meeting. I don't, because I don't like things to linger. Right. You know what I mean? So, but what I said was, and I can't get into detail about what okay. happened because it'd be just like too much. The, the essence of it, it stopped talking to me crazy. Now I've been yeah. told you this eight ways to Sunday. Right. You know, I'm looking at you because you do it all the time. And all the time is a very strong statement. But mm-hmm. I cannot remember a time that you had to address me. First of all, you only address me when you absolutely positively have to. Mm-hmm. And then when you do address me, you think I'm supposed to stop everything I'm doing because you've entered the room. No. Right. So, so my thing was, uh, stop talking to me crazy. So at the meeting today, I w- every time you speak to me, you're condescending. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't address me. You just start talking like I'm, I'm here. Pay me attention, whatever. And you know what she had a nerve to say? And this is that damsel in distress bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel I, I am very uncomfortable. I feel challenged. Bitch, I don't have to agree with you. You feel challenged. Well, first of yeah. all, as a, I, I as an adult, you should, right. And as an adult, you should feel challenged. If you are not challenged in your life, then that's a problem. I don't it, she's saying that she's, she feels it's challenging to talk to me because uh, she, I, she feels like I challenge everything she says. Number one, I have a right to disagree. 
Not even to mention you don't know nothing. But I don't want to say nothing, but very little. Right. And, you know what I mean? And, and, and I have a right to disagree. I also have a right to ask questions. And I realize that the only time she answers my questions is when I stand there and wait for an answer. Mm-hmm. Or else she'll just disregard me, which mm-hmm. is also rude. Mm-hmm. So don't feel challenged because of what you do. Don't sit here and play the victim because of what you do. You ever just like, I'm fitting to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they be talking about that 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 special loaf. I don't want to eat that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, oh my gosh. And that's that's that speaks to the privilege of what they have. You know what I'm saying? The privilege mm-hmm. of that they think that they could do anything, and that you are not supposed to have a reaction because mm-hmm. I'm me, I'm this person, and you're that person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know that I'm a person who feels mm-hmm. I'm like Martin in Boomerang with the whole like, oh no, Rich. it's a black and a white thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's racial. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. made the the what do you say? They made the um, pool table flat, right. <laughs> like earth. And what happens at the end? Yeah. The white ball mm-hmm. knocks the black ball in the hole. I'm right. definitely that. Right. I'm definitely that person. And nine point nine times out of ten, it's, I'm that person for a reason. It, it, yes, and I just kept saying, like, oh my gosh, Maya will say this. She's right. She's right. She's right. I just kept saying she's and you are absolutely 110 percent correct. And just the way they try to flip it. Why do I look aggressive to you? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not because I'm not afraid to ask a question. Right. Because I say I disagree. Well, you. you yes, that's exactly why. Because, you know, I, I, historically, we were taught that white is right. Right. Exactly. You know, historically, that's what we were taught. Exactly. That's the reason why, you know, because that comes from slavery. That comes from you cap a, a people capturing another people, meaning white people capture black people. Own people and us from our own land and right. brought us to this land that was owned by someone else that you kicked out of their land mm-hmm. and that you owned people. And so you embedded in people's mind that I was right. What I'm doing is right. What I'm uh, making you do is right. What I'm feeding you is right. What I'm when I'm not teaching you is right. When we progressed as a people and now we were able to have education and we were able to learn um, things and we were able to question things and we were able to be considered somewhat human beings, you know, on the same level as you, even though we always have been. Then we we started to learn, no, white isn't right. And it's a shame that some people still think that today mm-hmm. that white is right, that anything a white person tells you is right. Don't question them. Don't do this. Don't mm-hmm. do that around them. You know, people honestly think that that is the way that they are supposed to be. And it's because they were taught. Well, we here at We Did That Shit Podcast are here to tell you that, no, it's not right. White is not right. You are not right because of the color of your skin. You are not right because, you know, hysterically you have dominated us. You know, you are not right because of those things. And so that's why she's looking at you. And that's the reason why she's flipping it around saying, oh, I can't Mm -hmm. believe how dare you. You know, because really it's a how dare you. That's exactly what it is. What I'm saying. Like you can you can say whatever you want and I don't have the freedom to respond. Mm-hmm. nobody's attacking you nobody's saying anything about you mm-hmm. you know but you're not going to get up here and say one plus one is five 
and everybody gonna sit here and nod their head and be like, okay. Right. Yeah, no. And think that a person of intelligence is not gonna say, mm-hmm, Yeah, yeah, that's no, not right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. So it was it was really um a trying time, but you know, I called my dad, the good deacon had prayer with me. I'm like, look here. He was like, You can't be losing your job. And I was like, I know, you know, because I would have been I told you that. You can't be losing your job. Eventually. Right. <laughs> Eventually. We'd have got to that. <laughs> well, listen, but, uh, I mean, th- this speaks to all of the shit that's going on in the world right now. Matter of fact, let's get into some of the shit that's going yes. on. Number one, Liam Neeson. Liam does not think he's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Liam. That's the stuff that makes you laugh. The, a lot of the stuff that we see out here that's happening, it truly makes me laugh because you went out and said in an interview that you wanted to hunt for black people. Because no, that's not what he said. said. What did he say? Because that's was, what I got out of it. What did he, he was he was promoting the new movie. Uh-huh. And he said unsolicited. Yeah, just out and out. You know, talking about the characters, unsolicited, Uh just said, yeah, because I know how he felt, speaking of the character, Mm -hmm. um, because I, one of my very close friends was raped. And when she told me she would, it was a black man who did it, I walked around for a year with a kosh, like that's what they call a stick or whatever, you know, kind of like the thing you keep in your car. Right. Um, hoping that I saw a black man so I could kill him. Well, I have a question. In a year, he never seen nobody black? That was not, that was my question, number one. And number two, let's get to why. And, and he doesn't think that's racist. Number one, you would not have thought that and you would have said that if she's if the person who raped her was white. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. you see white people all day, every day, and your first thought is they can't all be bad. You've walked into a bad white rapist. Right. You know, you would have never thought that had she said the rapist was white. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why it's racist. Right, because you didn't say out of your mouth, oh, you know what? For a year, I walked around, I walked around with this stick in my hand looking for a rapist, you know? Right. You didn't say looking for a rapist. And at the end of the day, what matters the most is that your friend was raped, you know? What right. happened to your friend was that she was raped. And so you wasn't looking for a rapist. You didn't see, you know, find out that this guy around this neighborhood raped somebody. You ain't see a rapist in the news. And you was like, oh, you know what? I just want to murder somebody because my friend got raped. So you throw the whole rape out the window. What you, what happened to your friend is now just taken away. It's, it, it don't even matter. What matters is that it happened by somebody black. So black becomes more important than rape. Because that's what I got out of that. You didn't want to find a rapist. You didn't want to murder a rapist. You didn't want to hit a rapist with a stick. You wasn't, you know, trying to fight justice for your friend with a rapist. You wanted to just find somebody black. And then you said this unsolicited, like you said. So you was thinking racist thoughts in your mind already. And 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 burning you up inside. And you had to get it out. And even it was so many years ago, but you couldn't keep it to yourself. 
Right. Like it was so many years ago and you felt like this was the time to bring it out uh, unsolicited. And he keeps doing interviews, right? trying because, to you know, justify what he says. Now he doesn't want to be the racist guy. This is a story that we didn't cover when it first came out. Um, we're talking about it now because of all of the racial things that are going on in the world today, especially specifically this week. But when it was happening, I just seen a number of people, you know, talking about, oh, I had some people question me. And, and the people that questioned me, I was just really kind of like, you know me. Like, this ain't your first time meeting me. You already know what my, you already know what I'm going to say, right? Mm-hmm. They said, well, you wouldn't feel like that if somebody uh, raped your friend and they was white. You wouldn't feel like you wanted to uh, find a white person and kill them. No. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would feel like I wanted to find somebody that was a damn rapist. Specifically, I would feel like I can't wait until I see Jim the rapist that mm-hmm. raped my friend so right. that I can murder Jim the rapist that raped my friend. Not like, oh, I want to walk down the street and I want to murder um, right. Chad. I want to murder. No, no, not that. I want to murder the person that actually murdered, I mean, that actually raped my friend. Because to me, the rape is more important than anything. Then you had Michelle Rodriguez who is an actress of color. She is a Hispanic actor who came out and wrote an article or she gave an interview. She gave a statement and said, oh, how can he be um, racist? He was just kissing Viola Davis in the mouth doing, um, what movie did they do together? Widows. Widows. Yeah, right. you, you was kissing Viola Davis in the mouth. And you see the way he tongued her down? He can't possibly be rapist. So you just took out, it's another important Jesus. thing took out. It's, it's another thing took out, actor, right? Take right. out actor. Now he ain't an actor. He's not playing a part. He kissing a black woman. No, he's playing a part. Are you that dense in your mind? Yes, people are. Yes, people are. You, you give people a lot of credit, think that they should know things. You know, people always say, I'm not racist. I have black friends. Well, serial killers have friends that are alive. They're still serial killers. <laughs> I, just I mean, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? And you like that person. You know what I'm saying? Let's be clear. I feel the way that I feel about a lot of white people. But I have white people that are in my life who I love, who has went on to pass away. And I like them, not their family, not right. their friends. Not, I like no. them, that person. <laughs> My hairdresser is white. I like his family. Don't get me wrong. I'm committed to him. You know what I'm saying? When his ass is done, it, yeah. <laughs> that's it. You understand what I'm saying? It's the person. You can still be a racist and have a specific person that, it, it has nothing to do at all. It has everything to do with that person. So, you know, Liam Nielsen, that's the name, right? Liam Nielsen. The next time that you want to go around and you just want to give unsolicited racist um, rhetoric, keep it to yourself. And then for you to, again, it goes back to what you said about your coworker playing the victim. Like, how dare you oh think that gosh. I am racist? Oh and, and and not just that. And some um, Trevor Noah said he thinks that people are playing this up with Liam Nielsen because... Um, of 
his persona because of the characters that he portrays. He was like, what if it was Tom Hanks? People are basing this off of like his character on Taken and I have a very special set of skills. And But if it was Tom Hanks, people would be like, Tom, get if Tom Hanks said it, they'd be like, Tom, get out of here. But it doesn't matter. It don't matter. The fact of the matter is... got a lot of damn nerve to say something like that. But anyway, go ahead. The fact of the matter is that people need to realize, and we go back and forth about this all the time. That's like, ignorance is real. No, it should not be an excuse, but it's real. You know, a lot of people are racist and they just don't know it. Because when you make general statements about a whole entire race based on one person, that's racist. That's exactly what racism is. And you think you're superior because you're going to walk around with the kosh and not hurt them, not beat somebody up, but kill them. So Liam Neeson, I'm just, I want to see what happens to his career because the movie was a flop. Well, I don't think that this is going to, I, and, and A, I don't think that people are racist and not know that they're racist, but that's, um, like you said, we go back and forth with that. I think people know exactly what they're doing now. Is privilege a part of that? White privilege a part of that? Sure it is. But I think that people know exactly what they're doing. But I don't think that his career is going to suffer because of it. I mean, the movie might have been a flop, but then in reality, people ain't really going to the movies like they used to. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of movies might be considered flops, but I don't think his career is going to suffer from it. He's still a white man. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, he can still go on. We have a racist president. He's the president. So, and he showed his racism very early on before mm-hmm. he became the president. Mm-hmm. You know, he ain't become a racist now. He was a racist then when he was talking about Native Americans at, at that hearing. He was a racist when he took out a front page ad talking about five innocent boys should be electrocuted because of Central Park Five. I mean, he been a racist. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's been proven. And he became the president. So, I don't think that Leon Nielsen, whatever his name is, it's going to suffer because of it. Okay, well, we'll see. So let's talk about all this blackface in the news. Well, it started out with, I, I don't think that this is necessarily when it started out, but it's coming to the forefront now a lot because of, um, what's the governor's name of Virginia? And I live in Virginia. I should pay attention to politics around here more often. Yeah, how about Ralph- that? You know, it's funny. I still pay attention to politics in New Jersey more than I do. Right. And you know Virginia. what's going on here. Exactly. <laughs> but like here, here it is. You know, the governor in the in the state that I live in, Ralph Northam, is coming out that he did blackface in 1986. In the right? 80s, they went to college parties or something and they went in blackface. Right. Right. So he was it was a college party. He was dressed in blackface. A friend of his that was standing next to him was dressed as the KKK. Um, Mm. And it was a, you know, like, allegedly it was supposed to be a joke. Okay. Mm. So then it came out that he did this. Mm -hmm. And when it first came out, he was like, yeah, I did it. This was a Friday. He was like, it was me. I did it. Damn. I'm sorry. He wouldn't talk to somebody. Then he came out on Saturday and was like, I don't even know where that picture came from. That wasn't me. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's, it ain't got nothing to do with me. He, you know, it's, it's photo evidence. Right. He, like, uh-uh. I didn't even go to college. I don't know. Exactly. Right. He like a man that's like, oh, you caught me in the bed? Well, I don't know who me. you saw. So it wasn't me. Wasn't you know? me. <laughs> it might have been my brother, but it was not me. You know? Um. So he came out and he said that. 
Sunday, he -hmm. was like, and I ain't going nowhere. I ain't resigning. Because now people are calling for him to resign. And he's like, I ain't resigning. It wasn't me. I don't know what y'all talk about. Monday, he was like, well, it was me. But I I ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Now it's him. Not to get all into the politics, but Ralph Northam, you should have just came out and said, yo, it was me, my bad. People would have respected you more. Because now it takes away again from the situation. Now that it ain't about blackface, it's about you being a liar. You right. know what I'm saying? And he's that's exactly also, what he wanted. Right. He's also a governor who has championed other people to resign for racial incidents. Right. He has been right. at the forefront saying, exactly. uh-uh, they need to go. This is racist. They can't be in the political party, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Now it's you and you like, I don't know. I ain't going nowhere. I'm in here. I'm not racist. I ain't racist. I had, now he's knocking on black doors. He knocking on doors saying, hey, look, tell them that I'm your friend. And right, I, right, right. He was right. Now he was black friends. Now he lining them up. Right. No, now he lining right. up. He like, are you kidding me? I got her, him, her, him. They'll tell you. You wasn't calling your black friends last week when, when you wasn't going through this. Mm-hmm. You wasn't calling them, lining them up saying, hey, look, look at my friends. But now your black friends are so important to you. So. Now that he came out and it all happened about blackface, blackface, because, you know, it's like a trickle down effect. I feel like when one racist thing happens, it just all comes to the forefront. Like, oh, I'm racist, 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 mm-hmm. racist. They all come running. Mm. So then the attorney general here, we got a lot going on. The attorney <laughs> general here, he just came out like, you I got a blackface picture, too. Dude, right. Before I should hit the streets, let me just tell you. And here it is. People are thinking that he's saying it because he's trying to be proactive, but really it's because somebody threatened to leak it. So he was like, well, let me get in front of it before it happens. Because he would have never said nothing either. Exactly. And so clearly blackface is a thing. It's a wrong thing. It's definitely a wrong thing. It's a wrong thing. And people who, first of all, when you get into politics, you have to know that everything is going to come. You could be running for school board, city council. It doesn't matter. You have to know that things are going to come up, especially in the age that we live in, where so many things are put in technologies up in the clouds. People are digging out their DVDs and VHS and all their paper pictures and downloading them and uploading them and scanning them and all of that kind of stuff. You have to know that things are going to get out. You have to know that when you're in a position of power, someone who was there is going to say, no, they did this. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as they think that they have some leverage, you have to know that. Again, we don't agree. You know, ignorance is really, it's not an excuse, but some people are really ignorant. So in in, in the sense of blackface, we know what it represents, the ridicule of black people, the Sambo and all that kind of stuff. And so you have Gucci, who's now apologizing for their sweater. Mm-hmm. You have Prada that's apologizing for their, what is it, a purse? Uh, a they had a whole, they had a whole um, collection come out. It was a purse, shoes. Um, it was a number of things that came out from Prada right, that they have off. since pulled off of uh, the shelf. Right. And then Katy Perry has 
the shoes that they say are blackface. Uh, what what the, the, the thing about the Katy Perry thing though? Because I really can't put them in there because the shoes come not just in black. Mm-hmm. You know, the shoes comes there's there's red lips, there's a nose, and there's an eye. But the shoes are nude. The shoes are black. Somebody said they saw the shoe that was white. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just a shoe. What facial feet like a Mr. Potato Head shoe? No, because it's the over. What the problem is is with blackface is where, like you said, where blackface even started. I was perusing the internet today, mm. and I had I come I came across an article, and I just wanted to read just a little bit of it. Um, yes, let's get it our was, one. <laughs> it was from. I was on the site for the African-American Smithsonian here in Washington, D.C. And I was just looking around at some things. And anyway, I typed in blackface and then some, you know, an article came up. And I just wanted to read something from it. This is from historian Del Cockrell. He once noted that poor and working class whites who felt squeezed politically, economically and socially from the top, but also from the bottom, invented the minstrel show as a way of expressing the oppression that marked being members of the majority by outside of the white norm. He said minstrel shows were comedic performances of blackness by whites in exaggerated costumes and makeup. It cannot be separated fully from the racial derision and stereotyping at its core, because at the end of the day, and this is not from him, this is from me. Mm-hmm. Menstrual shows were stereotypes right. of what white people thought that black people were. Exactly. Um, the first menstrual show was performed in 1830 in New York by white performers with black and face. Most of them used shoe polish or burnt corks and they, and they used tattered clothing. They mimicked enslaved Africans on Southern plantations. These performances characterized blacks as lazy, ignorant, superstitious, hypersexual and prone to thievery and cowardice. So that's what they thought of our people. That's what they think of our people. That's what they think of our people. Mm -hmm. And so from what blackface is or that you do in blackface, it comes from this. Right. You know, we're not just saying like, oh, don't paint your face black. No, that's not the reason. That's not the only reason why. A, you don't have to put a costume on and be of that race. You could just put a costume, mm-hmm. you know, like if I wanted to be Dolly Parton for Halloween, I wouldn't right. make face white. I would just put on fucking big titties and be and red lipstick and blonde and hair. And exactly. keep you understand what I'm saying? Right. But when you have something of hurtfulness as a black face of people looking at us, like we're lazy, even though you brought us over here, and that we worked mm-hmm. for free. We built the economy that we now live in, but we're lazy. You know, um, you stole us from our land, but you're looked at us, you look at us as thieves. You look at us as cowardice. We're cowardice because you enslaved us, you know. So it's a number of things like that that make blackface wrong. And so when people are up in arms at these brands, you know, and they're up in arms at Ralph Northam and they're up in arms at uh, uh, Katy Perry, it's a reason behind it. Now, here's the thing with Katy Perry's shoe. 
Katy Perry's shoe does come in other colors. However, it's an exaggeration of like the lips that are red, they're big. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't come from uh, Mr. Potato Head. That comes from blackface. That's what blackface started as. White people would paint their face black. They would take red lipstick and outline their lips so big because they thought they are big. Their lips were so big, even though they're paying for those same things. Now, you know, they would draw on a bigger nose. They would make their eyes, you know, wide open, you know, because that's what they thought of us. So that exaggeration of what they think of us is what that shoe is representing to people. Cause you don't have to have an over exaggeration of lips. You don't have to have over exaggeration of eyes or nose. You could just have a, a lip, a nose because, and the lips are rounded, oval shaped. They're not. Yes, They're, they are. No, I well, We are definitely going to put a picture in the YouTube video of this episode. You can do it. When I, I am, but when I see that, the, and that's what I think the difference is to me. One, that they come in different colors. Two, there's eyes, nose, and the lips look like lips, and they're closed. They don't look just like the well, I gotta look, oval, I like, gotta, I gotta like the black face again. again. They, they don't. The lips are closed, and they look like lips. They have, they're defined like lips. And that's why, to me, it doesn't fit the black. And they come in different colors. So if I if I never saw the black shoe, if I saw the nude shoe, I, blackface would not be something I thought about. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with all of the stuff that's going on and the brands that are coming out, because it's Montclair, Prada, and Gucci, right? And Gucci's shoe, Gucci's sweater, has that round red oval looking like blackface. Yeah, that's exactly Prada's what they were going for when like it, a it's a with it's, them big and with big red lips and a monkey like black face and a and monkey. monkey exactly and a monkey exactly and then, that stuff looks like blackface to me. No, it is. It, it is. is blackface. It is blackface. But see, you'll have a white person who looks at that as art. You know, you'll have a, a person that says, oh, that's art. Look what they did. Look what they were able to do. Oh, they were dancing around. It was so nice. You know, people look at that kind of stuff and they think that it's nothing wrong with it. And it speaks to what me and you were talking about earlier when you were talking about privilege, that they don't even have to think Right. Pass. You know, they don't have to think past anything to say, oh, no, this is wrong. You know, they don't have to think about wrong. Right. You understand what I'm saying? When we don't go around and we don't do whiteface because we have to think about the consequences that whiteface would bring us. They don't have to do that. And that's the reason why it's so easy for them to do that. You know what I'm saying? These brands that are doing this, it's not enough. It's just like we have talked about in past episodes. It's not enough to just pull it off the shelf. You know, we have to hold people accountable for the things that they're doing. We have to hold them accountable by not supporting them. Now, will Gucci go under if we don't support them? No, they won't. You know what I'm saying? But you talk about this all the time about the black dollar and understanding the power that we have with the black dollar. We don't do anything to exercise our power or the power that we have over, you know, with, with the black dollar. We, we spend the most money, meaning that we have the most power. And like you said, yet we don't utilize it. it um, I was on Instagram earlier and T.I., who is a person that's leading the charge of, hey, you know, boycott Gucci, bringing the mm-hmm. brand 
bringing them to the table like look this is wrong he has a video on his instagram if you get a chance go ahead and look at it and it talks all about selling to us you know like oh selling to the negro you got to make sure that it has recognition you know so when other people see it they'll know and we get caught up in a lot in that but we have to learn how to take back our power exactly like who buys a car with all of these features and then doesn't and don't use them right you know what i mean it really is a shame because we have not we cannot we will not unite enough to take a stand mm-hmm. so all that we're left to do is make personal adjustments and that's kind of how i live like i'm not going to live angry i and i can't state that enough i'm not going to live angry racism exists I live in this country in a brown body. I have experienced what that means. And there are some things that I haven't experienced, you know, but I know that they exist. I'm not going to be angry, but I am not. This is just for me. Mm. I cannot in good conscience spend my hard earned money on people that do that don't put the work in to find out if something is culturally okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Gucci's statement was. Their statement read like, we're trying to figure out how nobody caught this. Say that we ha- we're, we're looking at our teams because I think they have like millennials on their teams, or whatever, but they're not culturally diverse. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And I also think that even when you do have teams that are culturally, like, culturally diverse, that People who need to step up aren't stepping up and saying something because they don't want to be looked at as the person who brings it up. You know, I'm 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 glad to be here. I don't want to step on nobody's toes. I don't want to make, you know, mm-hmm. it worse for me. So I'm just not going to say anything, even when you know that it's not right. And, it, and you know, the old saying of stand for something or fall for anything really is true. We have to stand for something. Or continue to be like we are and falling for anything. And that's the reason why these brands can put this stuff. Because how much do you think it costs Gucci to make this stuff and then take it off the shelf? Not much. It's a billion dollar brand. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to cost them anything. It's it's not going to cost them anything to make Mm -hmm. whatever they deem as a mistake. It's just Mm -hmm. not. You know, Montclair, it's not going to cost them anything product. It's not going to cost them anything. They'll pull that shit off the shelf. And in a couple more years, they'll have something else because this is not the first time that Gucci has been in the news, um, for something like this. And it ain't going to be the last time. It's just not, I mean, it might not have been blackface, but it was something else. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be the, it's not going to be the first time and it ain't going to be the last time, but we are the people who have to stop with supporting. I am not trying to teach nobody else about why blackface ain't right. If you don't know why blackface ain't right, are you going around doing an Asian face? Are you going around doing Hispanic faces? Like what are you going around doing Native American faces? No, you ain't. Well, they, they, you're not. You, you understand what I'm saying? You're not. You are I understand not. exactly what you're saying. I'm laughing because you sit there and talk about I'm not teaching nobody why blackface is wrong, and then you commence to teaching. But go ahead. Well, no, <laughs> no. We have a platform. No, what I mean by that is this: we have a platform now where we want to bring it to the forefront. 
you know, we had a teachable moment where I just told you some right. things about blackface. We have a platform where we can do that. But I'm talking about in my everyday life, right? Right. right I'm right. walking up to Sally and Sally is saying, why is blackface wrong? And then I'm giving her a teachable moment on why blackface is wrong. If you don't understand why I'm mad about whatever, about you mm-hmm. dressing up as me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't want you dressing up as me no matter what color I am. It is okay to be something and not be the race of that something. People wear costumes all the damn time, all the time. And they mm-hmm. don't make themselves the race of that people. Everybody black is something white for Halloween at one time in their life. We don't put our faces in white. We don't. Right. You know what I'm saying? We don't put our faces in white. And if we did, the repercussions of it would be so, so severe that we actually think about that. You don't have to. If we have this platform, if we didn't have this platform, we had this podcast, I wouldn't be teaching nobody nothing. But I mean, it's our duty to bring forth the information. And so we bring it forth the information. You know what I'm well, saying? What, but about, again- what about your girl, though? What about your girl with the sambo coat when she was wearing the sambo coat? And I hear nobody talking about that. No, nobody was talking about that. And it ain't because they give Beyonce a pass. It they has do. nothing to do. Well, listen. And they still won't people, give her a pass. No, I've never seen it. Cool. I didn't like that either. Some people might give her a pass. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that whoever pulled that coat for Beyonce, because at this point in the game, Beyonce ain't picking out her own clothes. She ain't going to H&M saying, give me that. You know but she saying? is putting it on. Yeah, she's putting it on. But I don't think that it even resonated with her. What she was doing. See, a lot of people don't be, a lot of people, I, I don't know, a lot of people just don't think like me. Cause you know, like I don't buy nothing with monkeys on it. Right. You no, know, I ain't putting my kids on no monkey pajamas. I ain't buying no damn monkey stuffed animals. I ain't doing none of that because this is why I don't buy monkeys. And I tell the kids very early on, this is what they think of you. They think of your asses as monkeys. So I ain't putting you in no monkeys for you to be looking at my black baby like, mm, look at that monkey. No. No. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, you know, I guess I'm assuming that Beyonce or her team, or when she put it on her skin, she didn't realize what it was that she was putting it, putting on. I guess her ass didn't, you know, I, oh, other than that, she could be ignorant, that? but the other people can't be ignorant. No, white people can't be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yo, they are, but they know in my life. No, you can't be. I'm not giving nobody a pass. That's not black. Now I'll give Beyonce a pass. Not really. I really ain't giving her ass no pass or a damn team that picked that coat out. Exactly. But it happened. I ain't going to cancel Beyonce. Right. Be, uh, that's, and that's exactly my point. People aren't going to cancel certain people. Certain people can do certain things. But and no, it's okay. It has to say. be wrong. for. It has to be wrong is wrong for everybody. No, it is wrong. But I'm not what I'm saying. It is wrong. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's no even no justification. It's wrong. Beyonce was wrong for putting the damn coat on. Exactly. But I'm not going to cancel Beyonce as like I would cancel Gucci. Right. Well, I mean, I don't have to cancel. I, if Beyonce comes to Essence, I'll see her. If not, you know, I don't go to concerts anywhere else anyway. So it's not like canceling for me. And so. Beyonce might have had a Beyonce might have had a a racial awakening after she had that coat on because that was a couple years ago. And since you know Beyonce has been raising the black fist, the powerful you know black woman fist. So she might have had a realization like, what the hell was I doing? And then she woke up. You know, a lot of people come into their racial essence 
after Later, after the fact after the fact you know what i'm saying okay. something has to happen to them they have an experience you know me myself i've always been like this you know i've always been militant nothing happened to me that i felt like oh this will make me militant i've been like this this is me i've been like this across the board mm. but a lot of people they don't think certain things but then when something happens to them then it's like oh my god it happened to me now i'm looking at everything like this so she might have came into her racial awakening after that Sambo moment. Okay. And, and 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 we say all of that to say blackface is wrong. People who do blackface are wrong. When people don't think that they're wrong, they are. And it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. It is it's a big a deal. deal. It's a public display of disrespect. It really is. You know, I, I wish, it's a dream, but I wish, I wish that people of color and people who support people of color could bond together and allow these businesses to feel it in their bottom line. Just like we are quick to cut off a person's career, you know, like Floyd Mayweather. People always talk about him. And and as a boxer, as an athlete, I love his arrogance. I love the way he soups up the fight. I mean, it's just so entertaining to me. He, this is what I do for a living. You know, I ain't never lost a fight. And, oh, you said you worked at McDonald's before. I ain't never worked nowhere else. This is what I, you know, I thought that I always, you know, people like, oh, he gets on my nerves. He's arrogant, blah, blah, blah. But I love it. It's so funny to me. But what he came out and said in support after he spent all that money in Gucci, anybody going to tell me what to do? All right. Ain't nobody trying to tell you what to do. Right. You know, number one. And I wear what I want to wear. All right. Wear what you want to wear, clown. Because that's what people looking at you like. And, and Gucci looking at you like, thanks, clown. Yes. You know, and they support the money team. First of all, the money team is not even highly advertised. A lot of people don't even know he has a line. You know, we know that you call your people the money team. But oh, a lot I didn't of people, know he did. Yeah, they got mm-hmm. a lot of merch. They got I mean, they got shirts shirt. and shit, but I didn't know they had like a line. Is it, so what you want? You just want everybody, everybody outside going to work everywhere with the money team shirts on? Right. And the money team, I'm not out here trying to look like I'm on the money team. I don't want nobody bothering me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, okay. And he was like, well, when they had stuff, they ain't support the money team anyway. I mean, he just, I just can't rock with him on this one i can't rock with floyd on this one like you sound dumb and i'm just saying even if you wanted to buy gucci buy your gucci and shut the hell up because don't try to make statements as if they're profound they're not you sound like a ding dong well he's a he's a clown for one and you're right the antics and boxing okay do that Mm -hmm. do that that's fine but the fact that you went out of your way, one, to look like a clown, but two, to go against people who look like you, that's the problem. Right. You went out of your way. You, like you said, you could have bought Gucci, you could have went to the store, did it, went home, whatever. You know what I'm saying? No problem. But you went out of your way to say, oh, no, blackies, you ain't going to tell me what the hell to do. And here's the thing. What blackface started out of? the way that they looked at us during when they did menstrual shows, the mimicking that they did us, the stereotyping that they uh, thought of us is all of the things that you did. Right. 
you did everything that blackface represents and everything that we are trying to get away and everything that we're telling them, this is not right. Don't do blackface because mm-hmm. of this, because right. it's the stereotypical, it's an over-exaggeration of what they think black people are. You turned around and did the exact thing that we are trying to tell them is wrong. That's what you did. You, as one of the black people who have successfully made it, a rich black person, you know, who has right. who has generational wealth to pass down to your children, to your children's children, and to your children's children. You went ahead and gave them the C, C. They all like that told you, you know what I'm saying? And that's what we got to start doing as black people, not just Floyd Mayweather, all of us as black people. We got to start looking at the reality of we are a powerful, beautiful people. You really got to start getting the pride back into being black. Once you get the pride back into embracing like, yo, I'm powerful as hell. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's why people fear me. Because exactly. my power. That's exactly. Right. That's Once you right. get back into that, then it won't be so easy for you to do the clown behavior, for you to do right. what they deem as the Sambo behavior. Right. You know, what they look at us already as, and you fed right into it, you know, right. against people of your own that's trying to tell you, yo. Don't do that. And you want to be so clownish to say, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Nobody's trying to tell you what to do. But stand for something or fall for anything. anything. And you're a grown-ass man. And you know what? Let's get on to our next topic. And this is the last and final thing. Let's get on to, into that. Because, you know, I could talk about black people. Speaking of grown-ass man, huh? Speaking of grown-ass <laughs> man who out here playing right into what we don't want them to play for. Let's talk about Steve Harvey and Monique before we get out of here. Let's let's talk about that. I didn't mean to cut off the, the Floyd Mayweather thing. But let it just goes into, like you said, speaking of a man. A week and a half ago, I, had, I was reading, you know, on a blog or whatever. And I read that Steve Harvey and Monique had an interaction on his show and that mm-hmm. Monique told Steve Harvey she was going to punch his ass in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Okay. Steve mm-hmm. probably need to get punched in his mouth, but that need to be in here nor there. The show came out or at least clips from the show came out, right? The show aired yesterday. Okay. aired. Now mm-hmm. prior to it, Aaron, Monique and her husband, they got a podcast, like a YouTube show or a podcast or something. Right. They was on there. And Monique said, yeah, it happened. You know, we had a we had a conversation. I did tell him, I didn't tell him I was going to punch him in the mouth. I told him I was going to smack him in the mouth. And mm-hmm. it was a joke. You know, she, she right. came up and said that it was a joke. So mm-hmm. then it aired yesterday. And right. when it aired, Steve Harvey was like m- most people that um, talked to Monique. You know, Monique was there promoting that she has a residency in, in Vegas, Vegas. Mm-hmm. one of the first black comedians, black mm-hmm. women comedians, comedians right. female comedians to get a residency in right. Las Vegas. So it's huge, right? But right. nobody's talking about it because all of the stuff that Monique had going on earlier last year in 2018 is overshadowing the fact that she's the first female black comic to get a residency in Vegas. So she's on the show promoting it. Steve Harvey was chastising her to me about what she had did, you know, like, oh no, Monique, this is a paraphrase. He said, you know, we can't do this in front of them. 
We can't act like this in front of them because we're going to mess the money up. He was mm-hmm. like, saying, now, first he said we, meaning black people, mm-hmm. not Monique and Steve. He meant black people. First, we black people can't do this. Then he said, this ain't even about black and white. This is about, about money. The money. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, you got to play the game. You got to be out here making this money. Monique said, I'm playing the integrity game. <laughs> Steve Harvey, out his freaking mouth, said with air oh. and words. He said that was it was serious about what he was saying. He it was, was very serious. Was very serious. He said, "Oh no, 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 baby, you can't have integrity. You got to get this money." That's what. That's exactly what he said. He, he said, said if, "I you know if it was me and my family was on the line, forget my integrity." Yeah. I'm making this money. That's exactly what he said. And you know what? I'm not surprised. No. And he did say before that he said the best thing you can do for poor people is not be poor. That's what he said. And right before he said the integrity statement, he said the best thing you can do for poor people is not be poor. He said, when I think about me and my family and, you know, I'm out here getting this money for my family and if I got to do that integrity goes out the window. I got to get this money. And that is really a sad statement because at the end of the day, Monique is right. Now she may, I didn't think it was, you know, I thought it was a little extra, but Monique is extra. She's a comedian. She, first of all, the initial thing was she said, no, they wanted something, whatever. And she wouldn't agree to the terms. She said, no, you have a right to say no. You have a right to disagree. You do not have to take anything anybody throws at you. And she said, my mistake, what they're saying, my mistake was that I said no to some very valuable people, some Mm -hmm. very powerful people. Okay, fine. The second thing that happened, which negates all the no, is that in a live scene at a comedy show, Monique told them, Suck her dick. You know, they can suck my dick. And, you know, that was vulgar and not accepted. Whatever. Okay, fine. First of all, Steve Harvey, number one, who do you think you are? Because even you said it over and over. And and this is my thing with people. Johnny come lately can't be the savior. Mm -hmm. Everybody already did. You know what I mean? And you kept saying, I should have called you when it first started, but I was so busy. See, that's how you know who cares about you. Mm-hmm. You I'm was busy that busy? Too, I'm busy too. You right. Know what I mean? But if something is going on with somebody I care about, you you got a couple seconds to say something. And you wasn't too busy to think about the fact that you should have called her. Because for real, for real, if you're that busy, you ain't even thinking about somebody. When I'm busy, I am in the moment of what I'm doing. I'm not even thinking about the this, that, and the third. I ain't thinking about, damn, I need to be doing this. Oh, I need how- to give her a call. Right. How, and busy. how busy, how busy were you? Because this has been going on for years now. Right. This has been going on for years now. So the interview, Steve Harvey said that the interview, they talked for like over an hour, mm-hmm. but the segment was only like 10 minutes because they wasn't going to let it take up the whole show. Mm-hmm. And the parts that they showed and Monique said it, she was like, my brother, I love you. I can disagree with you and still love you. Right. You know, she was very, very very matter of fact about that, that she disagreed. And, and so do I. I disagree, A, 
Don't be a Johnny come lately trying to be the savior. You didn't call her when it first happened. You know what I mean? And you can't affect any change now. B, I don't want to hear anything from a person who will sell their integrity for a dollar. I don't. So I, I don't. And the only thing you can do for her is give her money or so. I don't know, because I don't want to hear any advice from someone who will sell their integrity for a dollar. What, what I'm thinking is going forward, the, the people who are upset about this are already people that are not really Steve Harvey fans because his fan base is very specific that, you know, older Memphis crowds, you know what I mean? Them mm-hmm. 55 and over mm-hmm. from the hood trying to make it like, ha ha, he's so funny. You know what I mean? That's his fan base. Like his fan base is not really because when when the hoodies was in Atlanta, I was just looking around like, oh my goodness, we in driving distance of all these people. Right. Really fans. And they was like, give it up if you was born in the 40s and they was hollering. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know what I mean? And that's his fan base. So I don't even think this will really affect him, mm. you know, at all. And and the white people, they love the family feud, y'all. So they don't care. They don't know what's going on with Monique. They don't care what's going on with Monique. So the only people, so this is not going to hurt him in any kind of way. And the only people who are making a stink about it are people, you know, in our age range who are more aware of 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 what's going on. So I really think that that I really do think that's sad. There's really nothing he can say because anything you say out your mouth, only thing I'm going to be thinking is, but you'll sell your integrity, your integrity. You know what I mean? That's all I can think about. Steve Harvey is not going to suffer because of this, um, and it, and he's not going to come out and apologize because he's too and arrogant he's to do so. This is how I feel about it. You are sixty-two years old. You're you know, I, I'm I'm looking at this from I'm looking at this from a man's point of view. That's right. You know what I'm saying I'm not a man, but. I love men. I got a father. I got brothers, uncles, cousins, you know, and they all men. And if they thought like Steve Harvey or Mm -hmm. acted like Steve Harvey, don't come around me. Mm -hmm. You are 62 years old, meaning that you was born in 1957, right? He was Mm -hmm. born. He was born in 1957. Steve Harvey often talks about his father, you know, Mm -hmm. who raised him, who was in the home with him. Let's just say his father was born in the 30s. Right. Mm-hmm. He born in the 50s. Father might be 20 something. Had Steve Harvey. All right. Let's say father born in the 30s. Steve Harvey born in the 50s. That means that you grew up in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. That means you grew up in the 70s when we had the black power movement. That means you grew up in the time where the Civil Rights Act was passed. I, that You grew up in the house with your father. You often talked about how he was a disciplinarian, how he taught you to be a man. I would hope that Steve Harvey's father, who was born probably in the 30s, 40s at the latest, didn't teach him not to have integrity as a man. Steve Harvey often speaks about how men, he has a whole book about it. He got a whole book. He he made a whole career out of telling men what they should do with women, right? He mm-hmm. often talks about how men are providers, how men are protectors, and how men are leaders, right? What kind of leader are you where you lead somebody to say, I'll do anything for money. 
Right. I have no integrity as no. a man. Now we know he right. ain't got no integrity. You've been married three times. You you know what I'm saying? You didn't cheated on your wife with the second you, the wife you got now, you was cheating on Mary mm-hmm. with her. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we know you ain't got no integrity. But for you to voice that you don't have integrity as a 62-year-old man, if mm-hmm. Steve Harvey was 20-something and he was doing a talk show and he had made it and he was like, you know what, sell your soul, girl, for some money. You gotta do what you gotta do. Get down on your knees, hold water, do whatever you gotta do. First of all, don't show them that you strong because that's what he told her in the beginning he said don't do that around these people we can't act like that around these right people. we can't do right. what first of all the people who she was acting like around that around was her own people she was talking about tyler perry that's right angels and oprah, oprah so they right. was her own people first right. of all. exactly uh so you was telling her you know be quiet do anything around mm-hmm. your own people. Then you told her, don't do it around those other people, which is the white people, right? So now Steve Harvey, that was born in 1957 at 62 years old, that was raised with a father, is telling you, don't be strong. Even though you've seen a strong man raise you, even though you talk about being a strong man raising your family, you talk about raising your kids, you talk about providing mm-hmm. for your kids. Now you're telling me don't be strong. Don't have a voice. Don't be out there. Don't do anything, right? Then you tell me and don't have integrity all the way while you're doing it. Now, Steve, right. you came up in the comedy clubs. You worked at Ford. This your history. This is what you're telling us, not mm-hmm. what I'm making up. You ain't had no integrity in none of that shit you was doing. Nothing. You just took anything as long as you was making a dollar along the way. Mm-hmm. That says a lot about who you are. When he went and sat at the table with Donald Trump, he said we needed to have a seat at the table. You know, then he told men don't do X, Y, and Z, even though you was doing it. You're hypocritical. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have no integrity. And a person who would tell a a man who would tell who oh would tell oh, a woman exactly integrity goes out integrity. The right. integrity goes out a window. Right. You are the leader. You are the leader. However, and you know what, Maya, that directly and and the first thing that came to my mind, because I wasn't surprised at all about what he said, but the first thing that came to my mind, and you know, I will always give her the prize. You know, Marjorie Harvey is the best that ever did it. I'm sorry. She is the best that ever did it. Her kingpin husband went to jail. She married his kingpin brother. You know what I mean? Had got got kid cousins and whatever sibling cousins going on for real. Like we sister cousins, but they really sister cousins. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and so you know she the best that ever did it. I you know I give her that title and everything. But that's the first thing I thought of. He like uh uh-uh. uh, you know because birds of a feather that spirit is all together. You know what I mean? Because that's how she think and that's how he think and they're going to keep getting that money no matter what. And he ain't going and see, here's the thing. Uh, 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 I was just looking at what was I looking at? I was looking at a Dame Dash interview. You know who Dame Dash is? Used to be okay. Used to be the CEO of Rockefeller Records, right? With Jay Z mm-hmm. and Kareem Biggs. I was looking at an interview with him and he was just talking about how he fell out with so many people, right? right. He, he said he's people. over it now. Right. Well, that, Yeah, he is. But he was talking about how it all stems from a woman, right? He Mm -hmm. was like, men wake up in the morning doing things for women. When I got into arguments, all based off of a woman. And you know, I say that all the time. A woman will ruin ruin your life. Well, in the Bible, they was ruining lives. You know, now you're ruining lives. Mm -hmm. Steve Harvey's not going to lose Marjorie. 
So he's right. going to not have integrity to keep getting money, not exactly. lose Marjorie. Yeah. You know, and when you exactly. say out of your mouth, when you say it out of your mouth, the best thing that you could do for a poor person is not be one of them. You was a poor person, per right. you, not per me. And here's the thing about when money gets involved. Money truly is the root of all evil. And Steve Harvey, when money gets involved, money's here today and going tomorrow. You can have Mm -hmm. 140 M's today. You can have 140 nothing tomorrow. But you know what you will always have intact in that is your integrity. And if you have your integrity, then you're able to get some more money. And Monique showed that. And I'll finish with this. Monique showed that because she kept her integrity intact. And now she's the first black female comic to have a residency in Las Vegas. Now, the way she went about it, you know, the way she went about you could not agree with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But through it all, she kept her integrity. And see, opportunities is going to come up for her. They might not come well, as even fast. If, even if they don't, your integrity has to mean something to you. Right. And it so goes because Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job, but it's his integrity. And, and even if it doesn't create an opportunity, you still you still have your integrity. You still have it. But what I'm saying, and, and that's something that you want to live and you want to die with. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And, I, and you could die a, a better person because you had your integrity. It's no person that I want to look at more in the mirror, but myself. And when I look in the mirror at myself, I want to see a person who stood for something. You know what I'm saying? No matter what that is, it could be the most, it could be the, the worst thing ever. You know, I'm a murderer and I stood for being a murderer. It is what it is. But I look at myself in the mirror every day and I'm okay with that. Steve Harvey can't possibly look himself in the mirror and be okay with that. And for people that follow Steve Harvey and they take what he say as the Bible and all, you know, all of that other kind of stuff. I don't want no man like that around me. I don't want no man who will do anything for a dollar. Cause you know what I think about when you say you'll do anything for a dollar, that you'll be in the back alley on your knees for a dollar because you got to make it. Cause you ain't got no integrity. You ain't got no, you, you have nothing. So you'll make it. And, and I'm done with it. Steve Harvey, you didn't just did too much The no integrity thing to tell a woman that, and you are so, And you're a 62-year-old man. You literally have seen black people come from nothing to something, you being one of them. You being one of them that came from nothing to something that has made yourself into a mogul. And you want to tell somebody else, a woman at that, not to have integrity. And I just want to say, like, you know, because he does talk about his dad all the time. And I just like, what would Slit Harvey say? Yeah, probably would look at you like you crazy. I didn't raise you like that. Because you talk about the powerful man that your daddy was. You talk about how he gave you everything, how he taught you, how he how he guided you. And is he guiding you to say don't have integrity? Because to me, a man that was born in that time, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Again, and and and. You were born in 1957. Mm -hmm. You, even as a child, you saw the civil rights movement. You saw Martin Luther King get killed. You saw the Civil Rights Act Mm -hmm. pass. You saw the 70s when we had the Black Powerful Movement. You saw the 80s when hip-hop came around. You saw the 90s, I mean, the late 90s, early 90s when crack was there and they was bringing Mm -hmm. us back down. You saw all of this stuff. And yet and still, you said don't have integrity over some Mm -hmm. money. Money that you can lose. You'll never lose your integrity. You'll never lose yourself. And you'll always lose money. 
money comes, money and, comes goes. and goes. And I really wish that we had a web series right now because if you could see Maya's arms flailing all over the place, she I is just, serious. I just, I just, I just can't believe it. But you know what? We've been talking about this mm-hmm. a little too long, and we could continue to talk about this because a man, sixty-two-year-old at that, telling a woman that is very unbelievable. People still doing blackface in two thousand and nineteen. It's not that it's not going to happen, but sometimes it is unbelievable. Like, wow, we still. We still here, huh? Yes, we're still here. I am. I love being a black woman. Me too. I love being a black woman. I am proud to be a black woman. I hope that I wear it well. I am. I'm proud of our history. I'm proud of our strength. I'm proud of what we have, that all we have achieved. I'm proud of what we'll yet achieve. I am. uh, It makes me happy when I and not because we are so much better, even though we are superior. It's not even because of that. It's because when other people think you can't or you're not worthy, when I when I look and everything we do, we dominate every career, every sport, every everything. And so I am really proud to be black. And I just wouldn't want to be anything else. I concur. I'll finish off with saying this. We're a movement by ourselves, but we're a force when we're together. Always remember that. Let's stick together. Um, Let's make the rest of this Black History Month a good one because I don't know where we didn't took a turn and, and went somewhere. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. We hope that you enjoyed this episode for the week. We'll be here same time next week. Remember that an all new episode drops each and every Monday. The B told you in the beginning where you can find us. We're on Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere where you can listen to a free podcast. You can surely listen to We Did That Shit podcast. Remember to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. Follow me on my personal Twitter. It's MyMy13. That's M-Y-M-Y-1-3. And I'm at Babiamina. That's B-I-B-B-I-A-M-I-N-A. Yeah, so we'll see you next week. Remember, be great this week. Do that shit. I love you, Maya. Love you, too.